0: Hello, hello, Jose Mejia. I'm over here trying to record the second episode for you guys, and uh, I hope everybody's doing well today. Um, again, my name's Jose Mejia with New Home Programs, and the name of this podcast is The First Time Homebuyer Show. However, I think we should probably even just call it The Real Estate Show, because in reality, we're going to talk about everything that's real estate related. Uh, but today, uh, I wanted to tune in with you guys and talk to you about... Uh, the transaction process, like you know, what happens when you have a contract, and uh, and some of the details that go on, right after before you actually get to the closing day, uh, there's a lot of things that you definitely need to prepare for, uh, as far as money, uh, as far as even potentially losing money, deadlines, time frames, things of that nature, is something that should be very well micromanaged uh, by your realtor or your realtors team Uh, sometimes they'll have like uh, transaction coordinators that are fully dedicated Uh, they're they're dedicating their time to solely to help people who are under contract and make sure things done and are done in an efficient manner Uh, so one of those tips that I can give you right off there is that when you are interviewing a realtor to represent you um, you know ask them about their team ask them about their time um, how they communicate and do they have a dedicated member who is a transaction coordinator uh, that will be assisting them just in case your Realtors, um, you know, not available. Okay, because uh, believe it or not, when you do hire a buyer's agent, uh, they do have some fiduciary duties that they owe you, um, especially when you do sign a, uh, an exclusive buyer broker agreement with them. And that's what we call it in the state of Florida. However, in other states, they can, might call it something else. So just check in with them and make sure that you're doing your due diligence. A real quick story. I actually had a guy email me uh, out of uh, Cape Coral, uh, former military guy. Um, he saw a YouTube video that I did a while back, and uh, and uh, he, uh, you know, was asking me general questions because he was in a scenario where he actually has a home under contract already, and he was asking me, uh, you know, if there's any form of a down payment assistance that he can have because he just found out that he needs to bring $35,000 to the table. Okay, now be mindful that uh, the property that he's buying is about $600,000. So, you know, typically the costs uh, that are uh, associated with a property like that, a property transaction, you know, the amount is going to usually be very high uh, within that range. So it's not out of the normal. However, this guy was explaining to me that, you know, he was doing VA financing, military financing that where all you need is zero percent down so you don't need any money up front and uh, so you know i eventually got on the phone with the guy after a few emails going back and forth and um i listened to his situation and asked the right questions um i found out you know where the property was just to make sure that it wasn't like uh make sure that it was on the mls and not maybe private owned uh so i was just trying to find different perspectives as to um why this guy was being asked to bring $35,000 from his mortgage company? Uh, wanted to make sure it wasn't anything fishy. And the second thing was, um, I asked him about his credit score. You know, just in case it was lower than the standard, and the bank was asking him for more money than it was needed. Uh, but eventually, I found out um, that what it appears again, because I haven't read the fine print or the contracts or anything like that. Uh, nor do I want to, just because I'm not the, I'm not the one representing him. Uh, But I did find out that, uh, you know, when they were negotiating, uh, it doesn't seem like the seller was paying for any closing costs. And closing costs is a a set of expenses that you also want to worry about, uh, aside from your down payment, uh, because it is the buyer's responsibility, unless it's successfully negotiated with the seller. All right. So in this case, um, the expectation um, to him um, in terms of education, it wasn't explained very well where uh, where he was preparing himself for this money that he would need okay so eventually now you know the guys uh, went through the process of the contract he's well invested into this thing uh, financially emotionally and things of that nature and uh, at the end of the day you know he found out that this is money that he needs and it became a shock to him uh, and um, now I'm not sure what the guy's gonna do. Uh, but uh, you know he's in a very sticky situation that if he doesn't have the money, he's not going to be able to close and he can eventually lose out on a lot of money that he spent uh, to do his diligence in acquiring this property uh, should he back out. So that's the reason we're going to do today's episode, Contract to Closing. Very important that you do a consultation with your buyer's agent, kind of lay out the expectations as to what occurs uh, in the state that you're located in, uh, because each state might be a little bit different um, in terms of Uh, what occurs after, you know, our contract is accepted. Okay. So in the state of Florida, uh, we have to worry just about a few things. Um, The very first thing is the deposit or what they call earnest money. And, you know, this is a requirement uh, when you're buying a pre-owned property or even a new home. Uh, But for today's episode, we're going to talk about just the pre-owned property. Uh, A deposit in a good faith estimate is basically, you know, something that um, that in writing, when you're presenting an offer to a seller, um, you're basically telling, uh, acknowledging to the seller and letting him this person know, hey, you know, basically it's like, hey, listen, uh, I understand that uh, you might re- get a couple offers or, or if you just get my offer, I do understand that you're basically taking the house off the market uh, where you can let other, other people look at your property, but you can no longer sell them the house because you're in commitment to me. To sell me the house and allow me to do my diligence, and eventually get to closing. Okay, so it's a way to uh, to to kind of filter out the flaky people who are not serious, uh, because you know for the seller it is serious business. Okay, so it's an earnest money or deposit um, that's typically given to a title company or held by the real estate company that's uh, representing the buyer or even the seller, Uh, but in most cases it's held with the title company. And uh, the biggest thing with this is that that the, whatever the amount of money is, it needs to be uh, deposited uh, to the appropriate place, typically within three business days. Okay, and the time frame is very important because again, it does show the level of seriousness uh, that you're going to follow the uh, other deadlines that's you know pre-written within the contract. And so, uh, so you know, be very mindful that uh, the timing is of an essence. So whether you go physically to the title company and deposit the money or you have it wired, uh, which in that case, you would have to get wiring instructions from the title company, or the transaction coordinator that I spoke about earlier, um, they would have to help you get those wiring instructions. So you wanna make sure that they get it to you quickly so that you can do what you need to do. The deposit amount um, in Florida, typically the standard is 1% of the purchase price. So if it's a $250,000 property, uh, that means they're looking for $2,500 up front. Now, again, that's the standard, right? So you need to know what that standard is. However, uh, it doesn't have to be the standard. It could be less than that, or it could even be higher. Uh, every circumstance is a little bit different, uh, but it is important to know that, you know, what the seller expects, because they're going to be counseled by their agent that represents their interests, more or less what the expectation is uh, to kind of measure the level of uh, commitment from a potential buyer, Okay. Now, if you are in a multiple offer situation, um, the higher that deposit is, the more serious you look uh, because you're basically putting your money where your mouth is, right? When you do make this deposit, you know, I want you to know that it's not money that's just lost and you're not just handing it over to the seller. Um, eventually, when you do get to closing, um, you will see it as a credit on your what we call your closing statement. Um, and the closing statement is basically where you see the plus and minuses when it comes to the numbers, and then you'll see the number that you've deposited at that point, Okay. So the deposit money is very crucial uh, to get situated. Um, however, there are ways that you can actually lose your deposit, which we're going to talk about next. Okay. Now, the second thing that is within the contract um, is the ability to do a home inspection. Okay. Now in the state of Florida, it's optional to a buyer, buyer, but we highly recommend it because um, you, know, you need to have peace of mind. And you'll be surprised that when you have multiple offers uh, on a specific property, some people will even forego not doing the inspection just because they know it pleases the seller that it's one less thing that the seller has to worry about okay but at the end of the day you really got to do what's best for you um, and and what gives you peace of mind especially if you're a first-time home buyer you want to be very cautious about that right um so a home inspection again it does have uh, a deadline uh typically you know um on a very very busy season like we're entering um in 2018 in the spring and summer markets um and around that time typically the standard goes from 7 to 10 calendar days sometimes even 5 calendar days and if you notice the difference that I said calendar days and not business days calendar days now we're including Saturdays and Sundays okay so so the time frame uh there is important to know uh that you know again it's timing over the essence um and the important part of this is that so that you can understand kind of what happens behind the scenes with your transaction coordinator is is that they're uh either locating a licensed home inspector or they're either going to ask you if you have one that you want to use and what they need to do is make sure that that home inspector first of all is available within that time frame to perform the home inspection because when it gets busy Uh, you know, they get, you know, they get a little bit delayed uh, with being able to do your home inspection on a timely timely manner. Uh, Typically in a slower season, you know, it probably takes them two or three days before they're out at that property. On a busier season, you're talking about five to seven days. Okay. Now be mindful. It's not just about uh, ordering and coordinating the home inspection. It's making sure that the home inspector has access to the property, right? So if you have a, a very stubborn or resistant uh, seller that maybe they're just, uh, you know, they're not being mindful of of this time frame or maybe um, or maybe the seller just super busy, you know, um, and uh, they want to make sure the house is neat and clean and all that stuff. Uh, so a lot of that efficient communication needs to occur with all parties just to make sure that you can get your home inspector in there. And then another thing to think about is that, you know, we always recommend for a buyer to be at the home inspection uh, to learn a little more about the property because some home inspectors will actually educate you uh, shortly after they're done inspecting the home and they'll point out some things for you. Um, And so, you know, sometimes it's about your schedule as well, okay? So once that home inspection is done, it typically takes about, you know, I would say about two to three hours depending on the size of the home. Um, The home inspector now at that point um, has to do the report with photos, and then deliver the report to you. And you know some of that work needs to be taken into account within that time frame that we spoke about, in terms of what's allowed uh, to a buyer uh, to uh, basically communicate to the seller. You know what the intention is going to be if you're going to proceed or not. Okay. And so there's a lot of little details uh, that has to be micromanaged just to make sure that you're protecting your deposit money. Uh, the home inspection in the state of Florida, um, again, it does depend on the size of the house and, and which company you use, uh, but it can literally go anywhere from like $375 to $500, okay? And they do have other inspections that you can perform uh, that are optional, like mold inspection, air quality, things of that nature. Um, if it's an older home, you're going to want to do a four-point inspection in the state of Florida because the home homeowner, homeowner's insurance company is going to require it, okay? Okay. So this person, you got to remember, solely works for you. You're hiring them. It doesn't matter if your realtor recommends them. Their liability is to you. That's their fiduciary duties to you. Um, So you already know more or less the expense. Um, Once you spend that money on a home inspection, you can already plan that it's going to be gone. You're not ever going to get that money back regardless if you decide to proceed or not. You're solely, you know, paying for it for your peace of mind, okay? When you do get that report, you know, you want to get together with your realtor and you're going to want to say, you know, You know, if there is any repairs to be made, first of all, you got to figure out, you know, what's what's alarming uh, to you where you couldn't proceed um, and what things are minor, which you can just kind of let go. Um, So the idea is to pick out the things that are major. And when you do pick out the things that are major and you ask the seller to make repairs, you have to know that the seller's not, you know, they're not they don't have to make the repairs, um, especially if it's an as is contract. They don't have to make the repairs if they don't want to. It shouldn't stop you from asking, uh, but you should definitely prepare yourself that they may not make the repairs at all. Uh, When you do make the request, you got to make sure the realtor does it in writing uh, to make it formal and make it legal um, and to make sure that, uh, you know, to make sure that there's no miscommunications either uh, because you wouldn't want the seller, uh, you know, misunderstanding in an email or or the seller's realtor misunderstanding an email or a request and then, you know, doing the work and it wasn't even what you uh, asked for, you know. Um, so you know what happens is that you know if the seller is in disagreement of making the repairs and you don't want to proceed, as long as you're that it's done within that time frame that was allotted in the contract, then you have every right to back out. Uh and again, you lose the home inspection money, but the deposit money you get back. Okay. Now, let's say you did make some requests uh and you had let's say 10 calendar days to make those requests. And your realtor, the buyer's agent, uh, or the transaction coordinator who works solely for the company of the real estate brokerage, if they didn't communicate to the seller's representative or the seller's realtor, uh, because maybe the guy just got really busy and they forgot, or maybe they were on vacation, if they don't res- if they don't make that request in writing within that timely frame, and then you want to decide to want to back out on the 11th day or the 12th day. Whatever the circumstance may be, once you go past those 10 days and you decide not to purchase the house, at that point, you're at risk for losing the deposit money, okay? So you want to be very cautious about that. Be very diligent, okay? All right. So um, another thing too, you know, if you uh, you can't negotiate repairs to be made, uh, sometimes you can negotiate the price of the house uh, to be reduced a little bit. Uh, So again, every market's a little bit different as to what the expectation is. And that's why you want to do a consultation up front before you actually get started with all this stuff. Uh, the third thing that occurs um, at this point is the appraisal, and the appraiser is actually somebody that's uh, that you you know you'll pay the bank. Uh, I would say anywhere from four to five hundred bucks, and uh, the you know the bank will basically have a rolodex of appraisers that uh, that they uh, I think it, I think they use like a software or a computer that it just automatically it will just pick one, uh, and at that point, the appraiser comes out and looks at the property. Um, if you're buying a house for 250 grand, they want to make sure it gets appraised for 250 grand or more. If it does get appraised for more, the seller still has to sell you the house for what you guys agreed upon, okay? If it appraises for less, then there is a problem because the appraiser, or I'm sorry, the bank, they're not going to want to borrow you 250000 on a property that appraised for 245000 So at this point, all the terms of the contract have to be renegotiated, Okay especially if the seller disagrees to want to sell you the house for 245 uh because they might want to say you know as an example they might say you know what we'll sell the house for 245 but we're no longer paying closing costs or we're no longer making these repairs okay so everything has to be renegotiated and at the end of the day they may not even want to negotiate at all and may just want to take the house off the market and they can legally do that Um, If they do do that, you do lose out the money on the money that you spent on the appraisal. Uh, The money for the home inspection is lost. Uh, The deposit money you do get back. Okay. so obviously, the further you get into this thing, the more serious it gets. All right. Um, The appraiser also has the capability to flag some things that they can see as visually as a visual like in. What's the right word? Uh, something that it, it, it makes the house feel inhabitable. Okay. Um, especially if you're doing FHA financing. Uh, so some examples would be like rotten wood, um, exposed electric wires. Maybe there was like a past leak, like a, a roof leak um, on the ceiling of the interior of the house. Maybe it's not even a current leak, but the fact that it's there, they may want to paint it. Okay. Every appraiser is a little bit different on how picky they get, but you have to be prepared for it. Because the house can appraise for 250 grand, but if they pick out something like that, and they or if they flag something like that, like rotten wood, um, there's a possibility. Well, not a possibility. If they flag it, the seller at that point is going to know about it. You know, uh, the bank's not going to be able to give you the loan first of all until it's done and clear, and number two, uh, the seller at that point, you know, your realtor representative to the seller, and the seller might say, "Well, I don't want to fix that." Now, in most cases, I can tell you they do fix it because they understand and they're being counseled by their realtor that it's not something that you're just wanting to do because, you know, you just kind of feel like asking for it. Um, it's more because it has to be done in order for you to complete your mortgage financing. OK, uh, but, you know, each circumstance can be a little bit different. Um, another thing you should probably wanna, uh, learn about appraisals is that um, that they can take a while to, to get done, especially in the busy season um, In a slow season maybe seven days Um, in the busier season, you're talking about seven to 15 days. Um, And with VA financing, um, there's also another like an additional uh, type of um, a whole different type of guideline with VA financing that um, that they don't have to have the report in within 15 days or 14 days, uh, but they will alert the lender if there's a low appraisal. okay? Um, and once they alert the low appraisal, it allows the realtors and their clients to speak um, until that report gets there. OK, I believe they call that Tidewater, if I'm not mistaken. All righty. Um, the next thing, a survey, um, a survey, you know, is basically like a, an illustration on a document of your land, the house. And um, what it really does is, um, you know, it, it kind of allows you to see, you know, what piece of land is yours. So if you ever decide to put a land, you know, if you ever decide to put up a fence or anything like that, um, you actually would give that copy to the surveyor or I'm sorry, the fencing company. Um, the survey is, uh, it's probably anywhere from, I would say, $275 to $400 of a cost, uh, depending on the state that you live in, maybe how big the land is and all that stuff. Um, you got to be ready to pay for that. Um, in some cases, you may not have to if the seller already has a copy of it and it's acceptable to the bank. Okay. Um, what else are we missing here? Okay. Um, so so those are the major things in terms of expenses. Uh, A couple additional things um, in terms of deadlines and promises that you're making in the contract uh, would be the financing contingency. Uh, That's basically telling the seller, listen, by this specific date, I promise to have to you something in writing that indicates whether the bank is going to approve us or not. Okay, and that's a very important date to know uh, and to follow and keep an eye on because if you don't. Gift notification, the seller is assuming that you already have approval, loan approval from your bank. And, uh, and this is one of those things that if notification isn't provided, is this something where you can lose your deposit money. Okay. And then the closing date would be the additional thing. The closing date is actually the actual day you get to the closing, get the keys to your house, um, and make the exchange or whatnot. And it's important to achieve that closing date uh because uh if it gets extended it can ruin everybody's plans moving trucks relocations all that stuff right um and it can get a very it could become very stressful um at that point for everybody uh so the, if you do foresee uh your financing like not getting the loan approval or not meeting that closing date um you want to make sure you have your realtor communicate to the seller that you need an extension for however many long days that you would need it for okay so those, my friends, are the, uh, some of the details and promises that are within the contract. Um, that's what happens, uh, you know, from contract, from accepted contract to closing. Uh, very important to be very mindful of these dates. Um, obviously, some of the money that's involved and, uh, and to make sure that when you're hiring a buyer's agent and their real estate company that, you know, that represents them or that's going to represent you, uh, you want to make sure that they have the right parties and the right team. Uh, that uh, is readily available for you and that looks at your situation like almost as if it was their own, all right? I hope you guys find this helpful. And uh, again, this is the First Time Homebuyer Show. Jose Mejia speaking out uh, to everybody in Florida and outside of Florida. I hope you guys have a good day. Feel free to engage, comment, ask questions uh, so that I have something else to talk about with you guys, okay? Take care, have a good day. Thanks for tuning in.